Good morning, Calvary Church. Hey, take hold, church. If you're in the house, can you do, can you represent a little bit? <laughs> hey, uh, your your voices sound beautiful, by the way. More of the beautiful voices toward this end of the auditorium, but when all your voices like blend together, it's pretty awesome. So. Good job. <laughs> um, I think uh, that if I can speak for the Lord, and I've been known to do that on occasion, I would say that he is thoroughly blessed by your praise and worship this morning. So awesome. So awesome. All right. Well, it's a privilege and an honor to be here with you this morning. It truly is. Um, I'm humbled by this. Um, I'm, I am not taking this lightly at all. And um, I just appreciate the invite. Rather than it be, hey, let's go hear our pastor Shane speak at a big church on the Beltline, we thought it might be g- cool to actually invite our church to be here and worship with you, those that could make it. And uh, I think that's something special. How often are we able to do that? I don't think we can often. So it's cool. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Your church has been a huge blessing and an encouragement to me, my family, and our church. I'd love to say that we couldn't do it without you, but I'd, I have to say we couldn't do it without the Lord. Yes, you do. <laughs> but... You have been used and asked by the Lord to uh, help us. Uh, little rinky-dink church on South Division. So um, you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So thank you. <laughs> um, uh, Take Hold is an urban church plant, I already said, on South Division in the Heartside District of, our, of this great city that we know and love. And um, I'm stoked to let you know that last month we celebrated our sixth birthday as a faith community. Yeah, you can clap for that too. Yeah. <laughs> We've come a long way, I tell you. And um, not, sometimes not sure if we'd make it, but um, God is faithful uh, to us. And um, what we'd like to do is we would love to show you a small glimpse of who we are and what God has called us to do in the Heartside District of Grand Rapids. And what we wanted to do is show you maybe another side of who we are because we serve and minister in a lot of different ways, but we, we decided to shake you up a little bit this morning. Are you ready for this? You re- are, wait, wait, I don't know. Are you ready for this? <laughs> yeah. Now, some might call this extreme, but to us, it's kind of like uh, every day in the life of. So, um, but there was someone in our church who created this video especially for you. So will you check it out with me?
<laughs> Y'all are a clapping bunch. That's, that's cool. Did it wake you up a little bit? I hope it did. Um, and there's a reason for all of this. Um, all of that was worship. Well, 95% of it. It looks a little different, doesn't it? But please know that it's the same worship unto our one and almighty God. You know? We wanted to show you some more sides of our faith community. We serve in many different ways. There are, there's the immediate community right outside of our door, uh, student groups, um, like some of the students at this church uh, have come down and will come down again to serve and minister. Um, local artists, traveling musicians, we've seen a lot of people come through our doors and it's been awesome to meet and greet and get to know many people who come from all over. We serve others in many different ways. We may look a little weird and we might do things a bit different, but we are all one in Christ Jesus and our mission is the same. So please hear my heart and see my heart when, when I say that. Hear and see my heart when I say that. We've been, giving, we've been given some amazing opportunities to meet and host people that maybe normally wouldn't enter into a large church building with a steeple that touches the clouds, but they'll come into a janky little storefront church on South Division. And um, that's where we've been called. Why? Why would they show up? Why would they stay? Why would they be blessed? Why would they shake our hand when they leave? Well, because we have put in the hard labor over the last six years of love and, and time, and we have built positive relationships, like I'm sure many of you here have also. Not one of us is perfect, but we love and we follow the perfect one. And he is our guide, he is our strength, he is our rock and our fortress. We don't have it all together, but we make ourselves available. And we will fail time and time again, but there is grace. And we've, we've witnessed and received grace not only from the Lord, but from the people that we interact with, whether they're passing through or whether they're here for a, a, a month or whether they've been here for the last five years. We strive to foster a place of sanctuary and refuge for anyone and everyone, the punk, the drunk, the freak, the geek, anyone, who, anyone willing to come in, anyone willing to, to strike up a conversation with us. We ask people to explore faith. We ask them to meet Jesus for the first time. We ask the prodigal to come home to the Father. 
We ask people to grow in the knowledge of Scripture. We ask people to grow and mature in faith. And we ask people to use their God-given gifts and talents for His honor and glory. That's who we are in a nutshell. And some of you have visited. We appreciate that. In all of this, as we have stepped out in faith, God has been faithful. Whenever we take a step of faith, and you know this, when you're asked to do something and you do it and you take that step of faith, God places a stone for, or a rock or a boulder for your foot to stand on. And sometimes the ground gets a little shaky, but it's okay. We grow and we stretch and we're refined this way. Our text for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to ask you to please stand with me as I read this scripture. It's coming from Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 28. Again, it's Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28. I'll call out the verse numbers in case you have a different translation than I do. Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and follow me. 25. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? 27. For I, the Son of Man, will come in the glory of my Father with his angels and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I assure you that some of you standing here right now will not die before you see me the Son of Man coming in my kingdom. May the Lord richly bless the reading of his word. Will you stay standing with me? We do um, this down at uh, the take hold space from time to time. We're going to call this open hands. And some of you know where I'm going with this. But if you could, and if you would, would you hold up your hands just like this? Don't worry, this isn't a charismatic move or a Pentecostal shuffle. (laughs) Don't you worry. We're all right. We're going to pray in submission right? In adoration to our God and King. Let me pray for us. Dear loving and gracious Heavenly Father God, our hands are open to you in submission and adoration. We praise you. We praise you above every, every God. We praise you above every name. We give you our hearts and our lives. I pray, God, that you would meet every one of us where we're at. Our one hand that is open, God, I pray that you would You would help us to let go of whatever we need to let go of. We'd cast it to the side. Maybe it's hindering our spiritual walk or our journey or our race. We pray that you would put it on our mind or heart and we'd let go of it, God. We'd throw it in the dust, in the mud. We'd get rid of it. It could be resentment or bitterness. We pray that we would release that. With our other hand that is open, we pray, God, that we receive whatever it is you want us to receive. Maybe it's love or compassion or mercy. Maybe it's salvation. God, we pray that we would have open minds and hearts to receive and take hold of whatever you want us to grab onto, God. We pray this, God, please. We we pray against any walls or barriers, anything we would put up in order to keep you from doing what you want to do in our hearts. Pray that we would let go and receive whatever it is you want us to let go and receive. In the name of Jesus Christ, pray this in your precious name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. 
So our context here. Jesus encouraged Peter. Matthew chapter 16. If you have a Bible, you can go with me there. So right around verse 13, Jesus asked his disciples, well, who do you say the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, you know, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah. And then he asked him, well, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Man, you got to love that. Just speaking up right there. So he's like, hey, Peter, you've been blessed here because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn it from a human being. And guess what? On this rock, Peter, I will build my church. And I'll give you the kingdom of heaven, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven. Whatever you open up on earth will be opened in heaven. And then he started to talk plainly about the fact that he would be heading to Jerusalem and he told them what would happen to him there and he would suffer at the hands of the leaders and leading priests and teachers of religious law. He would be killed and he would be raised on the third day. But then Peter, he was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, uh, (laughs) Jesus, come on over here. Um, Wait a second. Hey, man. uh, Now, this is the paraphrase of the message paraphrase Bible. Okay, it's just so so you know. Okay. He's like, hey, hey, man, um, can you probably not do that anymore? I mean, you are drawing clouds. You're drawing crowds and clouds. And and here's the deal. We're trying to build a revolution here, and we want to follow you, and we want to be your guys. So stop doing that, please. Thanks. And then Jesus um, says to him, now th- those were a lot of words to say a short little thing that Peter said, but uh, basically he said, heaven forbid it, Lord, he will, this will never happen to you. And he said, get away from me, Satan, for you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. Man, he's like, Peter, you are treading on the enemy's territory here. Get behind me, brother. You were just blessed and encouraged, and now this? But I'll tell you, church, I want to see God's perspective, not my perspective. I want to see the perspective of God. I want the scales to fall off my eyes and see what it is God wants me to see and do what it is God wants me to do. I pray that for us. Lord, allow the scales to fall from our eyes so we can see your perspective. It's a good perspective. This is Jesus' first passion prediction, and it's an excellent teaching opportunity right here. And he, and he went and did it. If any of you want to be my follower, you're going to have to shoulder your cross and drop your selfish ambition and follow after me. That's where I want to focus this morning. So a person condemned to crucifixion had to carry part of their cross, and anyone living around this time and in this area or region knew exactly what Jesus was referring to. The, it's a burden, and it's a sign of death, the cross. But what is the interpretation? That's what I've been asking myself all week as I've been reading and praying and seeking and asking 
What does this passage mean for us? People in West Michigan in the year 2015, what do these intense and convicting words spoken to the disciples and listeners mean for us today? I wonder if you have thought the same thing. The literal translation is that some of the people closest to Jesus actually died for their faith and their allegiance to him. And that is true. But Jesus already warned them, did he not? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, he said, everyone will hate you because of your allegiance to me, but those who endure to the end will be saved. Oh, Lord, I pray that we endure to the end. Um, Hebrews chapter 12. This is just hitting me. Therefore, verse 1, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life and faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterward. Now he is seated in the place of highest honor besides God's throne in heaven. Think about all he endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him so that you don't become weary and give up. He's asking us to shoulder our own cross and drop our selfish ambition and follow after him. And he says, everyone's going to hate you because of your allegiance to me, but those who endure to the end will be saved. Let's run the race well church. Let's persevere and endure. But we got to carry a cross while we do it. Our first allegiance, church, is to God and his kingdom. Didn't he say, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it, but if you give it up for me... You will find true life. How do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? There are a lot of people who are trying to gain the whole world and they're losing their soul in the process. He said to a rich young ruler, go and sell everything and then come and follow after me when you're done. Now that might not be a specific word for you today, but it might be for someone who's holding on to too much And they need to let it go and drop it because it's weighing them down and it's causing them to stumble. This great nation of ours, the United States of America, is an earthly kingdom and our rights and our liberties are not guaranteed. Do you see anywhere in Scripture where it says that our rights are guaranteed, our rights of free speech our rights to assemble and worship. I don't see it in Scripture, church. I see persecution and suffering. I see trials and tribulation. I see running to the hills. None of this that we have is guaranteed and we dare not take it for granted. Right? We can't. Church, our rights are actually slowly being taken away from us, if I'm going to be totally honest. 
and, and kind of like just, you know, speak what's happening around us in our world? What happens when we as Christians are considered closed-minded, crazy-headed bigots? Unloving. Intolerant. I want us to think about that. A time is quickly coming when we are considered imbeciles for trusting in the Lord and adhering to Scripture. I talk about a net sometimes, that this, this giant net is enclosing around us and it's already around us. Those who go to take hold have heard me talk about this. It's already around us. What happens when this is illegal or this is against the state? Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ. I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I live by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are walking dead people. People, empowered by the Holy Spirit, Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Die to ourself. Will we ever face beheadings? Will we ever face persecution like we read about in Fox's Book of Martyrs? Will we ever face suffering like, that, like the people we read about in the voice of the martyrs? Maybe. Maybe it won't be us. Maybe our grandchildren or our great-great-grandchildren. And maybe this passage will mean a little bit more to us in that time. But this is hard to do. It's not easy. I'm going to give you three S words to try to just keep it simple. Sometimes we need simple. Here's the first one, to take up our cross and set aside our selfish ambition, it's going to take submission. First, submission to God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it kind of looks like this. Maybe it's like the, the, the young man who comes to our church. Maybe he grew up in the church, but the church has left a very bitter taste in his mouth. And maybe part of it was his fault and maybe part of it wasn't. But nevertheless, the church has burned him in some way. But he hears about a little church gathering of people on South Division and he decides to give it a try. And he stays for about a year just questioning and asking questions and seeking and searching. And then one day coming to me and saying, I think it's time for me to be baptized. Well, wait a second. Did we skip the conversion? Do you know Jesus as your personal savior? Yes. I I was introduced to him, reintroduced to him. And I want to commit my life to him. I want to submit to him because I've been living my life my way. Maybe that's what submission looks like. And then submitting to our brothers and sisters. Maybe the the second S word is self-denial. Now, self-denial is denying yourself and your 
wants and your desires. And maybe it looks like the young woman in our church who, and they would hate me for saying this. That's, that's why I'm not going to use their names. They might be here. It might be the, the young woman who sacrificed a month of her vacation from work to gather up some students from many different churches in West Michigan and walk them through an urban immersion of service and ministry in the Heartside District. Maybe that's what self-denial looks like a little bit. Or maybe it looks like something else, something that you're thinking of right now. I know many of you have denied yourself and you have submitted to the Lord. The third one is sacrifice. Oh, ah. that's, that's like the knife in the heart, you know, oh, sacrifice. What do I got to sacrifice for this? Man, I, I go to church, yo. I'm good. I go to my small group and I pray when I'm asked, you know, like we do these, we go through these motions, you know, but maybe someone's sitting in here this morning and it is like a knife, but it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, there is something I'm asking you to sacrifice and are you going to sacrifice it? I mean, because God can say, I can do it without you, but I'm asking you because you're going to benefit, you're going to stretch, you're going to be refined and you're going to grow. And then we're like, well, mm, probably not. Okay, then I'll do my business elsewhere. Sacrifice looks maybe like the family in Easttown who allowed another struggling family to come into their home and the family that lived in the home left and went camping or something like that and allowed this other family to come in and set up camp in their home so that they could have a time of sanctuary peace and refuge. That's some sacrifice. So what does it look like for you? What are you being asked to sacrifice? How are you being asked to sacrifice yourself to shoulder your cross and set your selfish ambition aside? That's why Jesus is so rad. Can I say rad? It's just a shorter version of radical. Jesus was radical. He's awesome. That's why I love him so much. He flipped the rules and the systems of this world on its head. He said, be the servant. Turn the other cheek. Walk the extra mile. Carry your cross. Set aside your selfish ambition. Walk. Don't take anything with you when you go. And you might not have a place to rest your head, but just smack the dust off your sandals. Folks, Jesus came to die. I don't have to tell you that. But Jesus didn't run for office to force his agenda into the political structures either. Folks, I had a dream, and I, I'm, I'm not going to get weird on you, but I had a dream, and I told some people in our church, and I'm like, I'm freaked out. But it was one of those dreams that, like, you dream it, but then it's like you wake up, and then you continue, and you wake up and continue, wake up and continue. This one was petrifying. I like the dreams that do that when you're, like, flying over, like, the Grand Canyon or something like that. <laughs> that's, a, that's awesome. Like, ha I'm flying, you know, but this was, like, a dream that... I, I was apprehended, my family was apprehended, we were thrown in jail, I was 
separated from my family. I was put on trial for things that I've done in my life. And the prosecuting attorney looks to me and says, and I, it was evil. And he says, who do you think you are? Take the platform. And I looked out and there was a balcony kind of like this and I saw familiar faces. And I was up there and I'm thinking as I'm walking up there, I, I, need, to, I need to pretty much defend myself against all of these things that have, that have been said about me. But I walked up there and I faced the crowd and it hit me. I need to just be silent and not try to prove my innocence, but receive what is coming to me. Now, I'm not saying that to, to point at me or draw attention to myself. I'm just saying that perhaps, maybe, I was able, God-given, had the ability to just taste a little bit what Jesus tasted when he was betrayed, arrested, and brought before a council of religious leaders and political figures. That he could have, he could have talked himself out of anything. Yes, he could have. He, yep. he could have made himself invisible like he had done before so they couldn't see him and move himself from the crowd. But he didn't. He was the suffering, silent, sacrificial lamb and he took it all for us. And they said, is this who you are? And he said, if you say it is who I am, then it is. I say all of that only because I want us to be, be prepared. I want us to be I want us to be silent as doves and wise as serpents. Check this quote out. It was from uh, Relevant Magazine. Somebody showed this to me this week. It, it's kind of long, but I shortened it because I just took, I cut out the second half. <laughs> we were never commissioned as Christians to demand that secular culture reflect biblical principles. We were commissioned to reflect biblical principles in the middle of secular culture, pointing to God's redemptive story. Why are we trying to force our biblical principles into a structure that, and a kingdom that is of this world? Am I allowed to say that? Am I, am I allowed to say that? Okay, all right. But, but listen, I say it from the, the, the best place in my heart. I say it from the best place in my heart. Do I want persecution of the church? No. Is it coming? Yes. And if the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus, come, then is it wrong for us to turn our ear and eyes to the realities that are outside of the United States? Just some thoughts to think about. Because Jesus didn't gather his 12 disciples and say, now I want you to take office here and I want you to take office there. I want you to take office over here and I want you to try to get in over there. He said, take up your cross and follow after me. Put aside your selfish ambition. So here's, here's a proposal. If Jesus is our greatest example and we follow after him. Can, can I get an amen on Jesus is our greatest example, and we follow after him. Is that cool to say? Yes, amen. Okay, all right. 
just wanted to make sure we we're on the same page. We may have to follow him into persecution or death. However, if we do not face death or persecution yet, how do we take up our cross and follow after him? That's what I've been asking myself all week. Because many people have a lot to say about this. There's like 1,500 different interpretations. But how does it apply to us? How do we set aside our selfish ambition in 2015? How do we lose our life in West Michigan? How do we please the Father in his kingdom? My proposal is, since Jesus is our greatest example, and we agree on that, we must follow him in obedience to the Father. Since God is love, and he so loved the world that he awesomely created, my proposal is for us to shoulder our cross. It could mean to be yoked to Jesus for instruction and obedience. He said, are you weary and heavy laden? Are you burdened? Then take my yoke on you. It's your training. It's your support. Jesus walks side by side with us and guides us along the way. It's a beautiful thing. And he said, my, my burden is light. Isn't love light in the light of all the hate in the world? This is my proposal, to take on his light burden after we cast all our cares and burdens at the foot of the cross. Listen, church, Jesus took everything for us and died for us. When we take our cross, we can't, we can't pay for the sin penalty of anyone, but we can, in submission and self-denial, sacrificially shoulder our cross and carry on his greatest example of love, which, in my opinion, was the cross. So if Jesus' greatest example of love to us is the cross, and he asks us to shoulder it, then how are we going to love the world in which he loves so dearly? That's my question. That perhaps is shouldering the cross outside of its literal translation or interpretation. We commit to follow Jesus, folks, and our burden and our cross becomes true love for others. In submission, in self-denial, in sacrifice, and I'll add a fourth one, in servanthood. Because Jesus came from, the, from heaven to the earth he created, and he calls us to serve and love others. Pray for your enemies Turn the other cheek. Man, that's radical stuff. Jesus said the greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. How are you laying down your life for your friends? Our cross, and I'm almost done, is the burden of love we sacrificially carry as we walk this journey called life by serving our brothers and sisters in Christ and being servants of salt and light to those whom the Lord brings to us and those we engage as we follow our Lord and Savior. Let me read that again because it took me like 15 minutes to write that. <laughs> our cross 
is the burden of love we sacrificially carry as we walk this journey called life by serving our brothers and sisters in Christ and being servants of salt and light to those whom the Lord brings to us and those we engage as we follow our Lord and Savior. Church, here's the deal. In that statement, Lord and Savior, there are two things. There's Savior and Lord. And a lot of times we like to say, thank you for being my Savior. You paid the penalty of sin for my... In my place, but there's also another one, and it's Lord, and that's where the submission comes in. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's your Lord, too. We must obey Him, we must follow Him. Who is He asking you to love? How is He asking you to shoulder your cross? What will you do to love another? We do this in truth and love, and I say this, and I'm I'm not even, I won't apologize maybe after, but we got to stop making Jesus look like an idiot, folks. We got to stop making him look like that because we say things that are truth, but there's no love. And when we say things that are truth and without love, it can be taken, it can be taken, oh, it can hurt and it can mar and it can scar. Let's be careful what we tweet. Let's be careful what we Facebook. Let's be careful what we Tumblr and whatever else. (laughs) And all this sounds so huge, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know how to grab onto this. Shane, this is crazy. Well, let's distill this down to one question as I've thrown a bunch of stuff into a pot and kind of mixed it and heated it up and whatnot. And this is what's What's coming out at the end for me, it's who or what is your burden? Who or what is your burning passion in life? What gets you all riled up? Who does your heart go out to? You, you might say, well, Shane, you know, I, I had a rough adolescence. So here's the deal. I mean, I, I don't know how to do this or how to begin, but I'm going to start praying about this because I never had anybody to help guide me along the way or, or encourage me or love me. So I, as an adult now, I want to I be able to mentor or counsel someone else younger than me because I never had it. It might look like that. And for some of you who have been minist- doing ministry for a long time, it might look like, well, this season of ministry is coming to an end and I, I want to continue to carry this cross and this burden of love that comes from Christ. So what am I supposed to do? Keep praying and asking. Keep praying and asking. It might look like, man, I, man, I did some time, and uh, I, I, I know what it's like on the inside, so I want to be able to go, and I want to be able to, to, to encourage and pray for people, the prisoner, the orphan, the widow. Let's be about the Father's business. He has called us and commissioned us to go into all the world and baptize and teach. But he said this, know this, I'll be with you till the end of the age. We're not going alone. Even when we think we're alone, we're not. Let's be in submission. Let's be in self-denial. And let's sacrifice. Will you pray with me? Dear loving and gracious Heavenly Father God, thank you for everyone in this space. It's a beautiful place. Thank you for every head and heart that has entered into this place, whether they know you or whether they're exploring faith or whether they're, they're seeking 
the reality of coming back to the Father. Wherever we're at, God, you meet us. We pray, Lord, that our minds would be open and our hearts softened to whatever you want us to do, however you want us to do it. You will, you've promised to go with us, go before us, go be in through and all around us, Lord. Help us to love you with everything we've got. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. We carry this burden. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.